What do you think is the most successful hunter on the African savanna? Lions have a roughly 30% success rate, leopards have a 20-25% success rate, and hyenas have a 75% success rate. Yet they are all beaten in this regard by perhaps the least well-known carnivore on the savanna, the African wild dog, which has up to a 90% success rate. Hello everyone and welcome to Secrets of the Animal Kingdom, Unearthed. Today, we will be looking at Lycaon pictus, or the African wild dog, also known as the African hunting dog, cape hunting dog, painted hunting dog, painted dog, painted wolf, etc. You get the point, it goes by many names. Here, I will simply use the most commonly used name, that is African wild dog, to refer to it. It is the second largest of all canines behind only the gray wolf, at around 20 to 30 kilograms in weight and 30 to 56 inches in length. It has a multi-colored, patchy coat of fur which makes it very easy to distinguish with extreme variation between individuals in terms of their color and pattern, which could play a role in identification. Interestingly, northeastern individuals seem to be darker than their more southern counterparts. They are found mostly in isolated patches of protected areas across Africa, but we will get to this point later. It is found in a variety of habitats, including savanna, semi-desert, and upland forest. The African wild dog, like most other canines, shows extremely well-developed social behavior, forming stronger social bonds than lions and hyenas. Packs of African wild dogs can vary greatly in size from 4 to 5 adults to up to 40 individuals, with the average being around 7 to 15 members, but this does vary across their range. Each pack is led by an alpha male and alpha female who are unrelated to each other. Typically, the rest of the pack is comprised of siblings half-siblings, and the children of the dominant pair, which usually monopolizes breeding. However, non-dominant individuals can breed on occasion, but offspring of sub-dominant individuals are much less likely to survive. The alpha female may even kill pups that don't belong to her, but the alpha male appears to do this less often to pups fathered by non-dominant males. From an evolutionary perspective, what we biology nerds would call the ultimate cause of this infanticide is probably that they have huge litters and baby wild dogs are a handful to raise, and so the raising of said pups is a group effort in which all members of the pack take part in. So much so that the pups don't even need their mother to survive past the first few weeks. Aside from the alpha male and alpha female, there appears to be no further social hierarchy, which could partly explain why African wild dogs rarely fight with each other. Instead of fighting over food, like say, lions and hyenas, African wild dogs appear to perform ritualistic begging rituals instead, through which juveniles and even sub-adults often end up eating before the adults. They have many vocalizations and other ways of communicating with each other, although they don't have quite as many of these as grey wolves. I will only go into detail on one of their vocalizations here, the sneeze which is a kind of voting system in social rallies that gather before making a decision. 
if enough dogs agree, then whatever decision that was being voted on will be executed. The interesting bit about this is that while the pack is much more likely to do something if one or both of the dominant pair votes yes, it is possible for the dominant pair to get outvoted if enough other pack members disagree with them. The votes of the dominant pair do count for more than the votes of the others, but the dominant pair's decision is not final. This level of social intricacy is what sets the African wild dog apart from other carnivores on the savanna and indeed even most other canines. African wild dogs are mostly pack hunters, obviously, and they seem to use different methods of hunting in different environments. They go after most of the medium-sized herbivores on the savanna, including gazelle, wildebeest, impala, etc., with some packs being observed going after larger prey like zebra. In the open savanna, they are usually diurnal hunters that practice endurance hunting, which is basically when a prey animal is chased over a long distance for a long time. Unlike in ambush predation, the predator in this case does not beat its prey through speed and surprise, but through its superior endurance. This method is used by many canids and also hunter-gatherer societies of humans. After the pack sets out for a hunt, in the initial stages, before any large prey is found, they seem to sometimes split off individually to go after small prey like hares and young deer on their own, with no help from the pack. After some large prey animal or herd has been spotted, they try and get as close to the prey as possible without being detected. When the prey spots them and starts running, the wild dogs give chase. After the chase begins, different wild dogs might pick out different prey individuals to go after, and so the party may split and go after two or more prey animals, but they usually all end up converging onto one single prey. Throughout the chase, pack members may cut corners and prevent any prey from trying to run off in some other direction. While wild dogs would never be able to beat any of their prey in a 100 meter dash, they have the endurance necessary to outlast any of them over a long chase. Speaking of long chases, their chases can be up to 2 miles long. When the pack inevitably catches up, the prey is immediately torn to shreds, with no one single killing blow like in big cats as the prey is usually helpless to resist by this point anyway. It is through this method that wild dogs can achieve such high success rates. The hunting method I described earlier is not used by wild dogs in more densely forested regions, probably because it's not practical to run that long through a forest. In such environments, the pack sets out together as a group traveling in a moderately dispersed manner. Each dog individually goes after small to medium-sized prey using short bursts of speed. While this does significantly lower the individual success rate to around 15% as calculated by one study, this method is still energetically viable as a lot of chases are done in a day through this method and African wild dogs share their kills with each other. Normally, this is the part of the episode where I talk about how humans have affected African wild dogs. But first, I'm going to talk about how wild dogs don't really have an easy life in the wild anyway. The African savanna has five large carnivores that go after more or less similar prey. 
lions, hyenas, leopards, cheetahs, and of course, African wild dogs. All of these compete with each other for carcasses and kills. Lions and hyenas, as the largest of the lot, usually don't have to worry too much about other carnivores stealing their kills, although they do occasionally steal kills from each other. More often it's lions that steal from hyenas. Leopards avoid the issue altogether by carrying their kills up trees, but cheetahs and wild dogs get the short end of the stick, often having their kills stolen. Lions basically bully wild dogs whenever they feel like it, stealing kills left and right, and also killing African wild dogs and their pups. While packs of wild dogs can sometimes defend themselves from solitary lions, this is very rare and lions usually just get their way with wild dogs. Their relationship with hyenas is more complicated. Hyenas often follow behind wild dogs to steal kills, but because solitary hyenas cannot overwhelm a pack of wild dogs, this is usually limited to just stealing scraps. Groups of hyenas can steal kills much more effectively, but hyenas are not as cooperative as wild dogs, so this is rare. However, competition for kills with hyenas may be a factor that keeps wild dog numbers low. Coming to their low numbers, African wild dogs exist at lower numbers in the savanna than most other predators, due to the factors I just mentioned. For example, the Silos Game Reserve, with an area of 43,000 square kilometers, about the size of Switzerland, is estimated to contain about 800 wild dogs. come to the man-made causes of the African wild dog's decline. In the past, they were known as cruel, bloodthirsty, and savage killers, which led to game managers and others relentlessly hunting them in the name of animal welfare, which led to entire populations being systematically exterminated. Thankfully, this perception has fallen out of favor, but the African wild dog is still in hot water. One of the primary causes of its decline is habitat fragmentation. Their low population density adds to this issue because even fragments of thousands of square kilometers can only support relatively few individuals, and small populations are very prone to extinction. Wild dogs are also very wide-ranging in their lifestyle, which means that they need large land areas to sustain themselves. This is again a major issue in smaller reserves and protected areas because wild dogs very often wander out of said protected areas. Wild dogs are also killed by humans, herders and other locals often kill wild dogs out of fear or in retaliation for the killing of livestock. Accidental killings in snares and road accidents, as well as disease, which is often spread through stray and domesticated dogs, are also factors that reduce wild dog populations. Since all these threats are linked to increasing human population, the decreasing trend of African wild dog population is expected to continue and it seems very unlikely that they can be reintroduced into their historical range as the population of sub as the human population of sub-Saharan Africa explodes all of this means that the african wild dog unfortunately is classified as endangered by the iucn A number of conservation efforts have and should continue to be taken in order to save African wild dog populations. Because habitat fragmentation is the greatest threat that African wild dogs face, 
Any actions that will increase the amount of contiguous land available will be beneficial. These include maintaining existing large protected area complexes, establishing wildlife corridors, and establishing buffer zones around protected areas. Human-wildlife conflict is the other major cause of African wild dog mortality. Organizations like the African Wild Dog Conservancy, African Wildlife Foundation, and the African Wildlife Fund all work to reduce this problem in several ways. They promote education and outreach to get rid of the negative beliefs that people tend to have about African wild dogs, they help protect livestock from wild dogs with proper fencing techniques, and work with local populations to collect and analyze population data, identify potential threats, and come up with new conservation programs. This also provides gainful employment to the locals. You can even contribute by donating to these foundations. The African wild dog is a shadowy presence across the heart of Africa, long demonized for its admittedly fairly brutal hunting methods and ugly physical appearance that faces threats from both man and nature alike. Their conservation is an imperative, for if we conserve them, we can conserve all of the African savanna, which captures so many of our imaginations. The responsibility for this lies not only with large organizations, but with us too. We too can also contribute to saving this fascinating species from certain doom. So I really hope you found that video interesting. Do not forget to like and subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. I know you probably hear that a lot, but still do it. And I'll see you next time.